We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Welcome to Transformative Principal. Today, I am excited to have Rachel Brown from Colorado on the program. Rachel, welcome to Transformative Principal. I'm happy to be here. I am happy to have you. You are a curriculum instruction and professional growth strategist, strategist, whatever, however you say that, for Douglas County (laughs) School District in Colorado. Can you tell us first a little bit about what in the world that means? (laughs) What the the title doesn't explain itself? Okay, so (laughs) we're actually, we used to have a curriculum department and a PD department, and then we merged a few years ago. And we, um, when we, during that merge, people were previously curriculum coordinators or PD coordinators, but we became curriculum and PD. And so instead of calling us curriculum and PD coordinators, we became curriculum instruction and professional growth strategists because we didn't want to leave out the importance of instruction when it comes to curriculum. Hmm. Okay. Fascinating. I was in a position probably similar to yours where I was called an evidence-based, what was it? Evidence-based specialist. And the department was the evidence-based learning department. And so that was... That was what we had for a while there. And that was a, an interesting title because we had to explain to everybody, well, it's the curriculum department <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. nobody knew what we were talking about. So, okay. Yeah. So you and I met at a uh, conference in uh, November in Denver for the Ed Elements put on the new team habits. And I wrote a little review on it on my blog at jethrojones.com. And it was a really great opportunity and you and I met and we made a connection because you said that I looked like Patton Oswalt, which 
I have since learned I you do. do. So still waiting for Patton to reach out and say, Hey, twin brother, I you can be a body double for me. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. Who knows? When that <laughs> happens, I'll be sure to let you know and give you credit for that. But we also learned some really cool things um, that were really important. And then we connected afterward. And one of the things that you wanted to talk about here on the podcast was the power in the missed opportunities. And I thought that that as your response was really fascinating. So tell me a little bit about what that means, the power in missed opportunities. Well, it's one of those that it's kind of twofold. In education, if you're a leader in a building, you have the ability through your interactions to really have that positive effect on climate and culture. But if you have too many missed opportunities with your staff, your climate and culture can be negatively affected by that. But then there's also the the student side of that. Uh, And I I feel that if we have too many missed opportunities with students, it can really impact their mental health in a negative way because students should have a a person that they can go to at every school. And too many missed opportunities means too many students who don't have that adult in their life. So that's kind of that twofold. Yeah. So you have power to take those opportunities and you have power to miss those opportunities. And that seems like it puts a lot of pressure on people to do, to make sure you never miss something because you could destroy a kid. But I don't think that's exactly what you're saying. Can you elaborate on that piece a little bit? Yeah. So even the opportunity of saying hello to a kid um, and, and making sure that every kid in your school has at least one adult who says hi to them on a daily basis that is an example of not missing the opportunity because if there's a kid who goes is at a middle school and for 2 years not a single teacher says hello to them in the hallway that's a missed opportunity that's a misconnection for that student and there's so much power that we lose when we have those missed opportunities with our students. And so just having one person, um, I, I know of a school once that at the beginning of the year, and this is not the right, right way to think about it, but they, they essentially thought of the kids, the kids were all on cards and each teacher had to take a kid until all of the cards were gone. And then the kids that they had in their hand were the kids that they needed to make sure on a daily basis they had an interaction with. That way they never had a missed opportunity. That way the kids knew that they cared because we know that social emotional health is such a a big concern right now for our students. I know, especially in Douglas County, we, we we really feel that. And so too many missed opportunities with our students to make those connections can have that negative impact on them. Yeah. And I think that that piece is really, really powerful because you gave a good example of an actual activity you can do to ensure that every kid has an adult. And one of the things that I just think is amazing is that when we involve every adult and not just the teachers in interacting with kids, it actually makes our the number of kids we're working with even smaller, which is really amazing. So in my school, with all the teachers and all the aides and secretary and myself and the assistant principal and the counselors, We were able to get our class size when we had classes with all those people. We're able to get our class sizes down to 13 kids per teacher. And that's pretty amazing. I mean, that is powerful to be able to do that. And 
you know, people have different roles and other things to do. And so that can't be all the time. But if you can think like, can you handle like reaching out to 13 kids every day? I think you probably could, right? Right. <laughs> and it's, it's not that difficult. So some of the things that, that we say and some of the things that we don't say have a really big impact on our culture. Can you talk a little bit about some of those experiences where you've seen things that people say and don't say having a big impact? Yeah. Uh, my, my team is a great example. We've been through so much in the past four years from two departments merging together to completely rebranding who we were as a department. We've had three different leaders in the past four years. And so we've had some turmoil as a group. And as a team, our emotional intelligence was pretty low. And we, we all will admit to that. And there were a lot of times when things went unsaid. And when those things were going unsaid, things festered inside. And there were conflicts that were arising because we didn't have the emotional intelligence as a team to address the elephant in the room. And so all of those missed opportunities of saying and, you know, making positive presuppositions and assuming that someone didn't mean something negatively, we went down this spiraling path of dysfunction and it became to the point that we were, we were catty almost with each other. And we started doing a little bit of a turnaround, at least on my side, when I confronted with kindness. There's a difference between confronting and confronting with kindness. I confronted a few team members with kindness and said, hey, you know what, what what's going on? Instead of ignoring what was going on or pushing it aside, we confronted what we were feeling and we talked through it. And once we were able to talk through it, we realized that really it was a miscommunication, but we could have let it go on for six more months and continued on that path towards dysfunction. But we took the opportunity to have a conversation as adults and change the trajectory of where we were going as a department and as a team. Elena Aguilar has done a lot of work on the art of coaching teams. And she talks about emotional intelligence as a team. And that truly was the turning point for the emotional intelligence of our team. We just were not functioning and we were, there were so many missed opportunities to, you know, turn the boat. We just weren't taking them and we were letting the boat continue to go down the wrong path um, of dysfunction. Yeah. I I love that phrase of confronting with kindness. And I think that that is so powerful. Can you talk a little bit more about how that, what confronting someone with kindness actually looks like? Well, it's one of those that you have to get rid of your ego and you have to assume positive presuppositions and you have to go in, not in a way that it comes off accusatory. To me, whenever I confront with kindness, I lay it on the line for myself and I almost kind of open myself up like a book and I I lay myself out and say, you know, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where I know that I'm probably failing as a team member. And almost showing that vulnerability can help to lower the barrier on the other side. You're having the confrontation, but it's not so accusatory towards the other side because you are, you're kind of showing your fallibility and you're hoping that they meet you halfway, but you're not confronting them as an attack. And so it's 
to me, I always think you confront with kindness in that it's, it's not kind just to put it all out there and say, Hey, you're doing something wrong. You put yourself on the table as well. You make it an equal playing field, not an attack. Yeah. You know, that reminds me of something that I haven't talked about for a while, but I have these communication cards that I put on my door to my office to help bridge the gap between, you know, a supervisor and and his team. And uh, sometimes it can be intimidating to go and talk to your boss, no matter how good your relationship is, it can still be intimidating. And so I created these communication cards to help people know how to communicate better with each other. And so, so one of those is called the storyline card. And you use the storyline card when you have a story going in your mind about how a person is acting or behaving or what their motives are or anything like that. And it's a really powerful way to set it up so that that person can be successful and still have dignity and maintain their right to feel and act the way that they do. And what you do is you say, I have a storyline. And for me, when I teach this to my staff, I say, when you give me the storyline, it is your permission to say anything that you want to me. And I'm not allowed to get upset about it. And I hold myself very true to that standard because it's so important to me that people are able to express what they what they want. And so when they have that storyline, it's the story that's going on in their head. And the, the easiest example is you walk by your boss and your boss looks at you and doesn't smile or acknowledge you, but just looks at you and you feel like, oh no, I'm in trouble. And I think just about everybody has felt that way. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so what I what I do then is I say, if you have that experience and you feel like I'm mad at you or you feel like I'm disappointed, you bring me the storyline. And then you say, I have a storyline. You tell me what it is. And then I promise that I will tell you how I'm feeling and whether or not you're right on or not. And 99 times out of 100 that that's been used, the person was totally wrong. They thought they knew what was going on, but they totally didn't. And so I use that storyline card to help people share that story and to be able to have that confronting with kindness so that they can say, this is what I'm experiencing and this is how it feels. And I need to know where I stand. And and I've done that with my bosses. And let me tell you, when you are able to have that kind of relationship where you can go in and say, this is what I'm feeling and all that stuff, it is really, really powerful and definitely has has improved relationships and made things better because we're able to have that conversation. And I just appreciate how you are bringing it up and talking about it as confronting confronting with kindness. I think that's a really powerful way to look at it because we don't want to be confrontational, but sometimes we need to be to figure out right. what's really going on. If we don't confront the subject, we can just fester. Right. And that's so damaging. What are the harmful effects of letting things just fester that that you've seen in your work? Well, I think for us, if we were to look at where my team was when we were letting things fester, we weren't producing our best work. We, in in team meetings, because of us letting things fester and we weren't approaching things, our team meetings would be this spiral of almost negativity. And you would, you would leave the team meeting and you would just be drained of all of your energy. And it was one of those that someone would pose an idea and another person would instantly argue it instead of pausing, paraphrasing, listening, understanding, or seeking, seeking for clarification. It instantly went to 
yeah, but that's not, that's not going to work. And so all of these creative ideas that we could have come up with in, I'd say during probably the four month time span that we were spiraling, we lost all those creative ideas because in our team meetings, we always knocked them down or someone would knock them down. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the biggest loss that we had because of our inability to, you know, confront each other with kindness, our inability to take those opportunities and make a change. We, we lost the opportunity to actually make change within our district for a few months because we weren't effective as a team. Yeah. And, and the ramifications of that can be large. And the way that I think about that is that you only have so many days with a student in front of you, and then they're moving on to the next grade or the next class or the next school or whatever the case may be, or they eventually graduate or drop out. Right. And so that's where I feel a sense of urgency that if we don't get this stuff right, as soon as possible, these kids leave our school and don't have our best selves in front of them. And that's where I feel a sense of urgency come from that. What's your take on that? Yeah, it it actually makes me think back to uh, one of my first jobs as a teacher. I was at a high school and none of the kids really knew who the principal was. Mm -hmm. They couldn't pick him out in a lineup. But then a few years later, we had a new principal and there was a a shift in the student body at that time. They felt the love from that principal. They felt empowered by that principal. And the entire climate and culture of the student body, as well as the staff, completely shifted under that new principal to the point that they've done amazing things. And they continue to do amazing things, even though he's no longer there. But he started them on this path of positive climate and culture and banding together as a community And him just being visible and present and giving kids high fives and saying hello to them in the hall and doing all of those things made an impact on those students' lives. And and they can all look back and tell you exactly who their principal was and they can tell you exactly how he behaved and exactly all of the amazing things that he did for them in school. And he was there for every kid in that school. And there's so much power in even one person having that positivity, but he created that infectious atmosphere. So more teachers had that positive effect on kids. And it's, I may not be fully answering what, what, where we were going, but I was just thinking about that because it truly made me think how he shifted that school and how that had an enormous impact on those kids. But he chose to do that. You know, he chose to be present. He chose to be out in the halls. He, you know, he chose to make that impact and really change that community. Yeah. And, you know, we have people who are principals and in other leadership positions where, where they may not want to be out in front and, you know, be that, you know, the one who's out there like dancing with the little boom box thing out in front of the school to drop off and stuff. That may not be your personality, but that, one thing doesn't have to be, you know, define who you are. I think the common commonality with, with what you were talking about is, is that you don't let go of the opportunities where you can make a difference in the way that you can make that difference. 
and and that's the key piece is is using your own strengths and your own abilities to do things that are that are really amazing and and each different person has their own skill set in that area and you shouldn't shouldn't feel like you need to shy away because you're not that kind of principal you should find your own skill set and and emphasize that right cuz you can make an impact in students lives and your staff's lives just by taking those opportunities whatever best fits who you are but you have to take the opportunities in order to make that impact yeah so this has been a great conversation. The last question I like to ask is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you, Rachel? Oh, well, I think if, you know, thinking about where we are in the year, this is a, a, a rough time for some kids. Uh, they, for some kids, it's, they don't always have an amazing place to go home or they may not have the food on the table at home. So I guess for me, it's how can you make that, make a little adjustment at your school to make your school feel like the safest home for some of those kids who need that safe place and that safe home. So just doing something to make the school more inviting and almost that safe haven for some of our kids who need a safe haven at times. And I don't have a, you know, you definitely should try this because I think it depends on your community what can make it feel like a safe haven, but making that place for the kids that they feel comfortable and they feel home and they look forward to coming. I think that that's great advice. Very, very important. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle. You can follow Rachel on Twitter at Rachel D. Brown. And thank you very much again for being part of Transformative Principle. Thank you. Do you want to simplify your school's technology? save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.